Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're joined by Fred Wallace, longtime voice of the Owen Sound Attack, longtime sports guy in that city because Colby Barlow played hockey there, the first round pick of the Jets. We're going to learn more about Barlow coming up. Also, Alyssa Turner joins us to talk about what's going on in women's hockey. PWHPA buying the PHF. What's going on here? She'll explain on the podcast. We want to start the show today by learning more about the most recent first-round pick of the Winnipeg Jets, Colby Barlow, out of the Owen Sound attack. And to learn more, we now go to Owen Sound and the voice of the attack, Fred Wallace from 560 CFOS joins us now. Fred, thanks for joining the show tonight. Well, Christian, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, your your station has a great reputation, and it's great to hear a live voice after uh, 12 noon on a radio station. So good to, good to be here. <laughs> Appreciate that. Are, are fans in Owen Sound becoming Jets fans now because this is the first first-round pick the Attack have had in six years since Nick Suzuki? Well, you know that we're two and a half hours away from Toronto, so there's, there's a heavy Leaf contingent of here. Course. There are people that, that hate the Leafs and, and love the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there's there's a sprinkling of Boston people, but I think with this, I think you'll see much more Jet fans or Jet uh, jerseys around the building and around the city than we've ever seen before. So what kind of player is Colby Barlow from what you've seen the last two years? I, I would say a very, very good offensive player with uh, a tremendous shot. I don't know that you would say it's it's as good as Ovechkin's, but at a junior level, that would be what you would say. There was a guy that played um, uh, for Hamilton a few years ago that's in the L.A. Kings organization now, uh, played for the Kings a little bit, and his name escapes me. I'm I'm sorry about that, Christian. But but it was the same thing, that that Hamilton's play was to get it to him on the circle, on the the power play, and he would would drill the one-timer. For Owen Sound, if they're down by a goal, it's almost like watching Hoosiers in that movie where get the ball to Jimmy and, and Jimmy will look after it. So that that's the kind of player that we're looking here. Uh, very good offensively, but to his credit, he is uh, he is very mindful defensively. Uh, the current attack coach, uh, Greg Walters, said a year ago when he was an underage, he had no issues putting him out in the last minute, regardless of what the score was, whether you were ahead or behind, because you could trust him. And and what about the fact that he was named a captain at such a young age? What is that something you saw coming? Not, not really, uh, and and there's good leaders here in Owen Sound. Uh, Gavin Bryant's on our team, and and uh, you know if if Gavin doesn't end up playing pro hockey in some description or another, he will obviously be could could run a headhunting firm or a PR firm because because Gavin's very personable and and a good leader in his own right. So to a certain extent, I was surprised, and I was surprised at the age, but you know what, he handled it very very well, and I think going forward into next year, he will handle it even better. He'll be he'll be more comfortable in the role, and I don't know that. Cole be, you know, I'm not inside the dressing room, Christian, but um, uh, I, I don't imagine that he's a rah-rah type because he doesn't come off that way. But I think when he goes out, you trust him and you know that if something's going to get done, he can do it. So what does this do, do you think, for his third OHL season now that he knows he's been drafted by the Jets? What have you seen in, in players in the past that have been drafted when they come back to the attack? Yeah, it's and, and it's not just Owen Sound. 
you know, there's all kinds of examples, good and bad, where a guy has come back from being drafted in the National Hockey League, be it in the first round or otherwise, that they haven't been very good, or they've come back and been extremely motivated. So just knowing him a little bit personally and and seeing, you know, his his character, uh, I think this will be very, very good for him. I don't think that he will will, uh, shy away from the heavy going because he doesn't want to get hurt for his NHL contract. I've, I've seen that happen before. I think that he'll be as driven and motivated as as possible. Now, he was also named a Scholastic Player of the Year, not the first Jet uh, draft pick to get that honor. They've, this is the fifth time now that they've actually drafted a Scholastic Player of the Year. Uh, what have you seen in, in terms of his cerebralness on the ice and away from the ice? Well, I know he's very proud of it, Christian, because uh, his mother is a teacher. So, and and here in Owen Sound, there there is a really tight lid on on your academics. If you fool around at school, you're not playing for the hockey team, be it in terms of your marks or in terms of your behavior. So, as far as I know, there are zero issues there. And I think the bigger thing, from an Owen Sound standpoint, to have somebody win that award is huge because if you go back probably 25, 30 years, some of the recruiting measures that were used by other teams to potential recruits was well. You you can't get your education in Owen Sound because there's no university here. Well, here's a guy that, that you know, excelled in the classroom and will probably always excel with his academics for as long as he chooses to do so. So from that standpoint, it's good for Colby, but it's really good for the organization. I mentioned this to Colby when we had him on the show after he was drafted the other night, but I felt there were similarities between playing in Owen Sound and playing in Winnipeg. You're playing in one of the smallest markets in the league in Owen Sound, 20, 22,000 people. You're playing at the Harry Lumley. where the, What's what's the attendance there, 4,000? Oh, yeah, 3,000 on, yeah. on a great night, 3,300. Okay, so it's a, it's a small arena here in Winnipeg, fifth, just over 15,000, smallest arena, small market. Am I am I onto something here that playing in Owen Sound might translate to Winnipeg in the NHL? Well, I, I'm giggling only because he's from Orillia, which is in Simcoe County, and Owen Sound is one county over in Gray, and our winters are cold. But I can only imagine that we can't hold a candle to Winnipeg when it comes to a cold winter. So from that standpoint, he should be pretty good. As as for the environment, you can't hide in Owen Sound. If you are a high liver, if you are a party guy, every cab driver, every bartender, every high schooler's going to know it. You can't hide here. And there's been no stories of him being in, in that regard in any way, shape, or form. And I, I assume that Winnipeg, albeit much larger than Owen Sound, is pretty much the same. Whereas if you're a jet and if you're within the city limits of Owen Sound or uh, of Winnipeg, everybody knows who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, 700,000 to, to 22,000, obviously. It's a lot bigger <laughs> here. But, you know, relatively speaking to the rest of the to the NHL was the, you know, the gist I'm trying to get there. Now, before I let you go, Fred, just... For those in our market who don't know, what does the Owen Sound attack mean to that community? Oh, man, how much time do you have? Um, it, it means a lot on so many levels, and I don't think it's it's any different for the Jets at the NHL level in terms of your community involvement. But, you know, in, in terms of, of the hockey, it's the best hockey that you can get other than the Leafs and the Senators, uh, and, and obviously the AHL at Belleville. Um, you know, it, it, it's that level of hockey. It's that level of entertainment. A Saturday night in Owen Sound is, is a big event, 
in that there will be people in the building who probably don't know which team is Owen Sound, but they're there for the socializing. So it means a lot there. I think it means a lot to the business community uh, in terms of, of both their business and the promotion of their business. And from a charitable standpoint, uh, you know, we, we can't hold the numbers that maybe some organizations do, but we're extremely proud of, of the nights that we have that raise funds for whatever the charity happens to be. So from that standpoint, Owen Sound Attack, uh, they mean a, a great deal to this community. Now, how long have you been calling games? <laughs> I started uh, September of 1989, so their first uh, road game at Sault Ste. Marie, and then uh, I had uh, a heart issue in, in February of 2022, so I didn't travel with them last year, and I've made the plans not to travel with them this year, but at sometime in the future I'll go back to it. And uh, I can tell you, Christian, and you can appreciate that, uh, that you know, out, outside of maybe traveling with an NHL team or an AHL team, there, there's really nothing better. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... How how long you think you're gonna do it for? <laughs> do pe- are people well, hounding you? No one sound about that. <laughs> no, it, it, it's funny. Uh, um, you know, Don Cameron did it forever in Kitchener, and and I was a big fan of Don Cameron. You know, if you if you're outside of Ontario, you probably don't know Don, but you know Don did it till you know the year that he died, and and, I, and he was 79 at the time. I I don't see myself doing that, but you know I'm at the point now that I think you know in in the course of my recovery. You know, at some point, I'd like to come back and do it. But for the season ahead, Matt Hermes is going to be the quote-unquote voice of the of the Owen Sound attack, and, and he does a very good job at it. Now, finally, do you remember when I spent hundreds of dollars to be on the morning show at CFOS like 12 years ago? <laughs> Well, I, I have a saying here, Christian, announcers come and announcers go. So you you were just a one-day stint. You'll have to refresh me on that. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was an auction, and, and I think I went up against someone who just wanted airtime. And I was uh, in high school. I wanted to get any kind of experience, so I think I probably spent a few hundred dollars of my parents' money. They weren't they weren't happy with it, but I think, yeah, I just got in. You let me read some sports casts. Bob Durant, the morning show host, I think we went for tea afterwards and just chatted up for a while. So it was a cool experience for sure. But uh, now I get paid to do it. So I think it, you know, I guess, hey, that, that, that was part of my journey to get here. So thank you, Fred. Do you want to hear a parallel? In uh, 1978-79, I was a grade 13 student at uh, Midland Secondary School, and the Rotary Club had an auction, and part of it was to be the co-host of the morning show on 1230 CKMP, which unfortunately is no longer around, and I paid the grand to- uh, total of $37, I think, which was a lot of money to a grade 13 student in 1979, and I went on the air with Robin Jeffrey, and eventually that was my starting spot. So so good for you, Christian. That's money well spent. <laughs> well, I don't know if I ever paid my parents back for that, but maybe <laughs> someday i will fred thank you very much for this appreciate that and uh, enjoy life in owen sound sure and if you want to do a checkup on colby or any of our other prospects anytime you've got my number christian and this was great talking to you and all the best to you and the the jet fans all right appreciate that fred wallace longtime voice of the owen sound attack he's the sports guy at 560 cfos the am station in owen sound ontario Yes, he's been calling attack games as long as I've been around. I've listened to him on the radio for years growing up. So that was kind of surreal and pretty cool uh, for me, I'll be honest. So I was chilling at home last night after getting back from calling the Sea Bears game. And after spending time trying to get Sully more used to the dogs, I started scrolling Twitter. Hadn't been on in hours. So just checking in and what's this? Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet first to share that Billy Jean King Enterprises and the Mark Walter Group have purchased the Premier Hockey Federation. Hmm. The Pro Women's Hockey Players Association, PWHPA, which was formed after the CWHL folded a few years ago, 
Well, they're now going to have a league and they get it done by pretty much getting rid of the other one. Not exactly a merger. Today, it was confirmed that there will be a new six-team venture that will start play in January. The PWHPA players have their own union. That's what the association is. They're made up of a lot of the players you've seen play for the U.S. and Canada at recent World Championships and the Olympics. They did not want to join the PHF that was the NWHL. They wanted their own thing, and so this is their hope. A new, stable, economically sustainable home for the sports top players for years to come. But it's not without pain. Because for all the players in the PHF that had been getting ready for the next season, they don't have a job now. Their contracts have been voided. So for more on this good news, bad situation, we're joined by Alyssa Turner, contributor to the Ice Garden, a website devoted to covering women's hockey. And Alyssa, when you first found out about this news, what was your reaction? Um, it was shocking. I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't see Mer- Jeff Merrick's original like post because he was the first who had it. Um, I had seen like people who I follow personally. I follow Jeff, but um, I had seen like people who I'm friends with in the industry tweeting about it and like it was like they weren't like they were tweeting about it but they weren't like saying what it was so I was very confused (laughs) it was kind of like a what is going on kind of thing and then I ended up seeing Jeff's tweet um and I I was just confused I didn't really know what it meant like I didn't know I was had read it was a bio um I had like I, I just I was very confused and shocked to say the least and so what we've learned today now is that there's been official announcements from the PHF and, and and honestly, the tone from the PHF has been, I'm a little confused by it personally. They seem to be like celebrating it, but I know a lot of people just lost their job, right? Yeah. uh, Hundreds of people just lost their job. And um, that's just confirmed with players because their contracts have were, or were voided um, with the news, but um, and that's not including staff. Um, there's, uh, gosh, there's probably hundreds of staff out there, whether they're part-time, full-time. I know um, I've been someone who's worked in that league before. Um, I worked in that league for a couple of years. And at the time, there was very many, or like very few people, pardon me, um, who were full-time. And I know now, and that was back in my last year, I worked with them was 2021. And now in uh, 2023, I know that there were like several people who are full time, and we don't even know how that's going to work with the staff. Uh, so I'm also very confused with the the tone uh, as well with the PHF. Uh, makes you think of like how long this was like in the pipeline for, and like why didn't they tell the players, and why didn't they tell the staff, and why did it come at such a an abrupt halt? A lot of players had already been signing contracts for the upcoming season and it's all gone now. And I think we've seen so much volatility in, in the women's game over the course of the existence of the CWHL leading into the PWHPA and then the NWHL becoming the PHF and, and trying to add teams and create a more stable salary cap. And it seemed like a lot of developments had been going in the right direction. But for the players that had been a part of the PHF, uh, this must feel tough because it's going to be hard for them to to get a job once this new six team league is launched, is it not? Oh, absolutely! It's going to be like it's going to be a bloodbath, to be like frank. Um, it's just it blows my mind how, and it's less teams too. Like I'll add, than the PHF had last season. They played with seven teams for the first time ever. They added their Montreal expansion, um, 
And yeah, going into this new six league team, it'll be less spots than even the PHF had last season. Um, and it was originally supposed to have this season. Um, and there'll be more players looking for jobs. It's, uh, it's really hard to fathom. And I'm not a player. I'm an outsider who follows the sport pretty well and knows it well, but I can't even imagine um, what the players are feeling right now. Several players, probably like more than several, like a good chunk of those players will probably unfortunately have to retire early, which absolutely breaks my heart. So you've been following the women's game for a long time in your role. What has been your view of the PHF versus PWHPA? I don't, do I call it a battle? What do I call it? I don't I battle. Like if you, if I guess you could, <laughs> I like, they never maybe wanted to make it seem like it was a battle, but I think from like the public eye, it seems like a battle. Um, I've always been an advocate for one league. I think that, that was inevitable and I think that that was what was best for the league or sorry for the sport um but just not this way (laughs) not not in a way where you have these players coming out of college and um like like their careers are just starting and they're signing like six-figure contracts and they're able to make hockey make like playing hockey and their hockey their whole life and it's not just like oh, I'm a player and I'm a coach. Like, no, no, no. These players were able to or thought they were going to be able to just play hockey for a living. And I'm sure it was a lot of security and whatnot. And I just, I've always viewed it as one league would be great, but it just needed to be done right. And this is the opposite of right, in my opinion. Because the NHL has has always said they don't want to get involved until there is one solid league. And they did have a statement today saying they've already been in discussions with representatives of this unified group. So I'm curious then, is this, you know, a good day for women's hockey? Because, yes, there are a lot of people that lost their job. But in the long run, is this that step that finally needed to happen to really set sail on a fully effective women's hockey league? I think there is a perspective where you can look at it as eventually this will be a good day. Um, I think in the moment and in the present day, it's really, really hard to have that view. Um, I think from the human side too, um, of course, like the game is the game and it needs as many eyeballs and, all the eyeballs on it like are going to be like increased with the best players playing in just one place, of course. But um, like, like I, I think it will be a good day. And I think it, it's unfortunate that it had to happen this way and it shouldn't have happened this way. The, the women's hockey players in North America have just constantly year after year, just not been given enough and not been respected enough and not been, um, helps enough and not uh, just taken seriously. And um, it, so I want to say I got, it's like a two-parter. So I would say like right now it does not feel like a win, um, but maybe this is what needed to happen. And um, at the moment it doesn't feel good and like it doesn't sound good, but if you were to look a couple years ahead from here, maybe instead of six teams, they have eight or nine teams and they're, they're the PHF was supposed to be this past season. 
So the PHF had recently doubled each team's salary cap at seven teams. You mentioned Montreal. There's Toronto, Boston, uh, New Jersey, Hartford, Connecticut, Buffalo, New York, and and Richfield, Minnesota. These are all places where hockey really thrives. You got a couple teams in New England, Minnesota, the state of hockey, of course, and then, of course, Canada. What, do we know anything about where the new teams are going to be? Um, from what I've heard and read, um, it looks like they're trying for the first season. Um, so coming up in uh, January of 2024, looks like they're going to do or hear, like I've been hearing and reading, it'll be three American teams and three Canadian teams. Um, I've heard that Toronto and Montreal are basically confirmed. Um, Boston apparently is not confirmed, and it looks pretty unlikely that they won't have a team, with, team which I could go on to, into detail about for several minutes, maybe an hour, of how ridiculous I think that is. Um, and I, I maybe, like, Minnesota's one, because I know the PWHPA has had a market there, too. Um, but I've heard that Buffalo, Boston, and Connecticut might be the three um, that don't end up. So that would make uh, a New Jersey team. And then unsure about that third. For many years, people have been talking about possibly Chicago, maybe Detroit. I haven't heard or read anything confirming those, but I just know that in within the women's hockey space that those are two cities that they've been um, discussing for a while that could be decent cities to eventually uh, have a team in. All right. Well, the floor is yours for a couple minutes if you need to to vent about the Boston situation because the Boston Pride have, have more or less been kind of the, the jewel of the PHF, have they not? 100%. They have three cups. No team has ever won three cups, mind you. No team has, like, ever won back-to-back, which they did. And also just, like, you even look at the signings that they had in, uh, like, in what we thought was locked in um, for this upcoming season. They had some of the best uh, college uh, free agents. They had some of the best. Uh, they had signed Brittany Howard, who was uh, Baseball Cup champions, uh, Toronto Six's best player this past season. Um, they had taken Brittany Howard. They they looked destined for a fourth cup, let's say that. They looked destined for a fourth cup last season, too. Um but they've just been the the like the crown jewel jewel. It seems like they got uh, Colt or not Colt Norco. He's with Connecticut. They had um, one of the best uh, coaches, in my opinion, in the league. And Paul Mara was such a smart coach. He's just he's so smart. He's so great with his players. Um, their uh, their front office was great. Players seemed like they were having a good time. And again winning culture they played in uh warrior arena in boston which is the um uh, practice facility for the uh, bruins had a partnership with the bruins um and sold out almost every game in the last two years um they actually have their three i think it's their three it's at least their two back-to-back from uh 2020 and then 2021 um their uh isabel cup champion uh banners in the logan airport in boston so it's a little insane to me that um, these new owners, owners of this league aren't looking to have a team in Boston, considering a lot of like the top college teams as well are in the New England area. I don't know. I just I think it's kind of silly. <laughs> it blows my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a miss in my opinion. Also, the Connecticut Whale have the best jerseys in oh, potential hands hockey. Down. <laughs> yes, you're re- so right. Oh my goodness. Even the Buttes. The Buttes have great jerseys too, and that's a great market. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's tough. It's, it's really tough. And yeah, 
But for the PWHPA, they've got, you know, inarguably a lot of the best players in the world uh, in their group. And now they're going to have a place to play. So it is a it is a good news, bad news situation here, right? Oh, absolutely. And like going back to what I mentioned earlier, like right now, it, it doesn't seem like a good day, but there is bright spots here. And like, I think um, I, I never personally thought <laughs> that like Marie Philippe Poulin would ever play in the PHF if like they're keeping that name or if they're going back to the PWHP. I actually don't know what exactly that looks like name wise, but um, like I never, I never could have like guessed <laughs> that that was even possible um, that like, or um, even some of the younger players, like um, I'm a Malte and um like all these players that either just came out of college or about to come out of college that when they were in college, there wasn't um, like a league that a lot of the national team players were going to. They were playing in the PWHPA, which just had like occasional uh, tours every so weekend. And it wasn't like a, an actual structured league. I never thought I'd see the day that it'd be this soon for that. So again, there there are some bright spots here. It's just unfortunate with the way that it uh, was handled. Well, let's appreciate your time on this. We'll be uh, staying tuned to the Ice Garden to learn all about what's going on here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to win.